Let me talk to you a, a little bit. We do still, we're still doing sermonettes. One of these days when God says I should go through a book, then we, we'll, we'll go through a book and, and see. But I really have enjoyed the sermonettes because of the fact that I can talk to you about different things at one time instead of just one thing. It's a great benefit for, from where I'm looking. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about stewardship uh, briefly because people always get nervous when you talk about stewardship. Because most people don't understand stewardship. And we've talked a, a little bit while ago about stewardship, but it, it doesn't hurt to talk about it again because I, I so rarely talk about it and I should talk about it more often. Most people think that stewardship means that you need to ask people to give money to the church. That is partly true. But that's just a small portion of stewardship. That's a very small portion of stewardship because I rarely ask you to give to the church I, I, in some ways, I think it is understood because the scriptures are full of it about tithing and giving and offerings and these type of things. So I'm thinking, hey, they're, they're in on it. Um, so, but that, that's part of the deal. That where you go to church, that you support it because there's bills to be paid and, and these type of things. My emphasis has always been that when I ask the church for money, we, I usually ask for other people. Right? Don Babin, Cecil Peasley, Arnold Fruchtenbaum, and some of these folks, that, and, and the missionaries that we are supporting, I usually ask you to help with them. Now, and I rarely ask for the church. I'm not even asking for the church today. But I want to encourage you anyways. And then the other part of stewardship, where I'm looking from, is how can I teach my people? That the money that they have, that the Lord has afforded them, yes, that they can do better with it. I, I tell you where I'm coming from. When I was a young man, not all that young, uh, 25, 30, 35, I squandered a bunch of money. I just didn't know about money. But I don't want that for you or for the young people. I want them to do, do better with what God has afforded them. So that they not only can have more for themselves and more for their children and more for the children's children, but also more for the kingdom of God. And that they can support actually missionaries or missions that God puts on their heart to support, but that they would have the money for it to do it. Right? Uh, just about any day here on Walden Road, there'd be numbers of people that walk that would stop and ask you for a little money. If you would stand here long enough, you, that's a number of people. Sometimes they just walk even in the church. And we're here to help whenever we can. Uh, but if they come to you, then I want you to be able to say, you know what? Here is 10 bucks. Go buy a, a, a burger. Instead of, well, I wish I could. God put a burden on my heart to give you something, but here is a dollar. Nothing wrong with a dollar. But I want you to have more so that you can do more with what God has afforded you. Am I making some sense? Okay. Uh, it is, and, and when I ask, the other thing, that, and this is the last portion on, on, on this thing, is that when I ask people, a congregation, to, to support the church or to support missions, I'm asking only the people that are here on a regular basis. If you're a guest, I'm not even asking you. 
I welcome it if you give. No problem. I won't re- we won't refuse your gift. But we're not asking you. We're asking the people that are under our teaching and that they, that they would learn to be generous and, and give and stuff like that. Otherwise, if, as a guest, I'm not, my appeal is not to you. My appeal is to the people that come here on a regular basis. And to you, I'm saying as a guest, we welcome your gift and your offering. But we are not uh, pushing you in, in any way. So we are the last church you'll ever be in that is about money. We are not about money. But unfortunately, it's part of it. So I, I, I said a little bit of my say. And um, so don't walk out of here and say, hey, the pastor is always talking about money. I never talk about money. Um, the other thing I'd like to talk about here a little bit this morning is about accountability. Accountability. Because as Christians, as human beings, but as Christians, to our shame, we have sometimes the misunderstanding that accountability is a bad thing or maybe even a bad word. That accountability might be a worse word than some other bad words that you know. Accountability. Why would somebody need to be accountable? Well, God has a purpose for everything. And when he's asking accountability, then, then this is what he means for our protection, period. We'll get there in just a little bit. So, in life, we don't like accountability that much. Do we? If you're a young person and somebody says, hey, you need to be accountable, you need to be home at 11 o'clock, call me at 10.45 that you're on your way, uh, tell me where you're going, where I'm going, I don't tell you where I'm going. No, there's accountability because in accountability there is protection. Don't forget it, folks. Especially young people. Especially young people. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not messing around. I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm, I'm just telling you because there's so much misunderstanding and that gets people in trouble. This is, this is the truth. There's a guy named Patrick Morley. You remember the name? And he has a book out, The Man in the Mirror. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see a godly man? Do you see... Somebody who's involved in sin? Do you see a defeated man? Do you see a triumphant, victorious man? What do you see? The man in the mirror. And he writes in one of the books, in one of the, uh, one of the pages, he says that the greatest problem for the American male Christian is lack of accountability. So he has a huge ministry nationwide about for four men. And so he has the info, right? Yeah, right? If you're involved in a certain uh, arena, a certain place, you have some info about that, right? If you are involved, you play basketball. If you are involved in basketball, you have some information about basketball, right? More so than somebody who's never played basketball or who's not involved in basketball. So he has the information. And he says this, the greatest problem for the American male Christian is lack of accountability. They just think that they don't need any accountability. They can live life all by themselves. Not true. 
Not true. That's how so many Christian folks, men and women, because it is not just a man syndrome, but men and women, they think they don't have to be accountable. But accountability means protection. Just remember that. Accountability means protection. So, um, I have an accountability to my CPA, my accountant, because he prepares my tax return, right? And the numbers that we give him, he keeps me accountable that they are the right numbers because there's protection. If I give him the right numbers, there's protection for me and there's protection for him. If I give him the wrong numbers, there is no protection for me, and I, how you call it, expose him to difficulty and trouble as well. Yes? That's the IRS. Uh, when somebody comes and delivers something at your business or at your home that you have ordered, they come and deliver it, and they need to account for what they are delivering. Yes? They account it. Uh, when you go to the bank and you cash a check and they, the cashier gives you your money back, she counts it out in front of you. Chip, 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 chip. She doesn't just give it to you. She accounts, she counts it because she has to do an accounting. That is to you here as this customer. And you like for her to do it because you want to be sure that, that it is right. Because if she doesn't count it and is not accountable, and you walk out with that cash, and you come back in and say, hey, you shot me 20 bucks. There is no proof. At the end of the day, that same cashier, she has to give an accounting of the money that is in her drawer. Count, 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 count. Now they have, these days they have the machines. You know, $3,425. Just count it just like that in seconds. Um, but an accounting takes place. And if the accounting takes place, this protects the cashier, and this protects the bank. It is always a two-way protection. So let me get a little bit more practical now and give you a scripture, iron sharpened iron. So a man sharpened the countenance of his friend. Iron, so iron sharpened iron. How? Will iron sharpen iron? Because to sharpen somebody, to sharpen something, if iron is going to sharpen iron, there must be a proximity, there must be a proximity uh, between the irons. Because for you to just have your iron go in the air, it won't sharpen anything. This one or this one. They have to meet each other. There needs to be contact. A proximity needs to be there for the iron to be sharpened. And then both, huh? yes, <laughs> both of the irons or knives or whatever you want to call it, both of them are sharpened. But for the knives to be sharpened, they need to rub each other. Sometimes when somebody is a kind of accountability for somebody else, they rub them sometimes a little bit. And sometimes as the knives are being sharpened, sometimes there's some sparks. Depending how violently you, you sharpen them, right? So, uh, 
And this is how it works with when a brother sharpens another brother. It doesn't always mean that there is sparks, but it means there is a proximity. That is to say, they need to spend time to gather some so that one can keep the other one accountable. So, this is true in every area of life. Uh, iron sharpened iron. So, a man sharpened the countenance of a friend. The idea is that when a brother sharpens another brother, you actually, his countenance will change for the better. You make him a better person and a happier person because you keep him out of a lot of trouble and he keeps you out of a lot of trouble because there is accountability. I'll say this. If you are thinking about accountability and you have an accountability partner, tell the truth. Otherwise, you're not serious about accountability. I tell people because I keep a lot of people accountable. A lot of people, a number of people accountable. And I tell them, if you're not going to tell me the truth, I'm not, I'm not part of the deal. I'm not checking on you. I check on you every once in a while. And if you don't tell me the truth, sorry, I, I, don't, I, I, I won't do it. This thing only works if you tell the truth. That's part of the accountability thing. So, so now then let me give you some practical examples, all right? Um, let me just go here. Let us say accountability between a husband and a wife. Should there be accountability? Oh, oh that was what, three or four of you. <laughs> Should there be accountability between a husband and a wife? 100%. When you deal with the IRS, the IRS can be legalistic about it. They can tell you, by law, I command you that this is the papers I want to see from you. And there's not one thing that you can do about it. They can call you into account. Uh, I've been called into, into account. So, so I know it. <laughs> they say, well, I'm sorry I'm not in the mood. Uh, when it comes to husband and wife, this is not a legal matter. This is a loving matter. In our book, one plus one equals one, Sybil writes, Sybil is wise. She writes, she, in every chapter she writes a small portion of the lesson. And she, on the accountability lesson she writes that accountability is another form of, of intimacy. And it is true. When you share your life with somebody, that, that, that facilitates intimacy, yes? Okay? I mean, it's not like you uh, come in the house and you watch television and you eat by yourself and you, you don't talk and you go with your friends wherever and blah, blah, blah. And you come home and say, honey, you go to sleep and the next morning you go, you go to work and the same thing happens again. There is no intimacy that is developed that way. Intimacy develops when you are spending time together, meaningful time together. Develops intimacy. And part of meaningful time together is accountability, that I'm accounting of my time and everything else to my wife. Because we are a team. I have to emphasize again, this is not a legal matter. This is not by law. This is by love. Because I love her. And by the same token, I, I told you earlier that 
Accountability brings protection to both sides. Are you with me? So, let me just give you a scenario, for example, in my life. Uh, a few years ago before cell phones, because now it's easy to be accountable because you have a cell phone. You know, while you're driving, you can say, oh, honey, I'm on my way here and there, whatever. Uh, um, so she knows where I am. If something happens, she knows where, I, where she can find me, uh, you know. Um, but before the cell phone, uh, I, I, I used to be a tennis pro. I worked as a tennis pro, and sometimes I would go to have a meeting with a tennis pro in Portland. You know, Jerry is his name. A wonderful friend that we've, although we are competitors, we are really close friends as well. And if he, ha- if he needs help where he works, I would go there in a heartbeat to help him. No problemo. So I go to him for a meeting in, in Portland, let's say, and it takes maybe, you know, depending on the t- time of the day, it takes maybe half an hour to 45 minutes to drive over there, half an hour to 45 minutes to drive back. So that is a, between an hour and an hour and a half, just the drive, right? And then he and I meet, and depending on how, you know, how serious the situation is or how many things we have to talk about, it might be another hour and a half or maybe a couple of hours. So it is, is, it is a chance that for three and a half hours or so, I am out of pocket, yes? Then, now I just send a little text, I'm with Jerry in Portland. Now, now he's in Corpus Christi, but so then. Uh, so I come home, right? And maybe she's trying to say, I was trying to get a hold of you. Okay, well, wonderful. Uh, and I don't say anything. I uh, go about my business, and this happens. Uh, I, I'm not saying I didn't. I'm saying I just this is a hypothetical case, okay, because I'm very, I'm very, open with Sybil, where I'm, where I'm at and where I'm going. Um, uh, so I, I don't say anything, and okay, but I, I, there's three hours of the day that I have it accounted for. She doesn't keep track of it. It's not a big deal. Uh, and this happens another time, and this happens another time. About the twelfth time, right, she is wondering what the heck is going on in those three hours. Remember, accountability is protection for both sides. So I have now three hours that I'm not accounting for. I can do pretty much what I want to. There's no protection in that. Secondly, my wife is wondering what the heck is going on. And I, as the husband who is supposed to protect her, right, I get her mind to do all kinds of crazy gymnastics. What is going on? What is she doing in those three hours? She doesn't question anything in one time or two times or three times, but pretty soon she's wondering what's going on. Is that true? You you haven't convinced me. Is that true? Thank you. So, but now when I'm accountable, I say, honey, I don't know if you were trying to get a hold of me, but, you know, I was with Jerry in Portland and we had some things to talk about. Hey, wonderful. How how was your day, baby? Wonderful. This is not a legal matter. She doesn't say, hey, you come and tell me where you were. I love her, so I just share my day with her, and I know it is safe for me, and it is safe for her. That also husband and wife, spouses. Uh, Maybe with a brother. A brother calls me, he says, "Uh, can I have lunch with you? Yes, let's have lunch together. And he says, hey, listen, I have some problems. Uh, I need an accountability partner. Would you be my accountability partner? In principle, yes, but (laughs) what are you asking me? You know, let's, let's talk what you're asking for, from me. Well, I, 
I have some issues with, um, I feel like my wife and I have a little estranged from each other a little bit. And, and, and by golly, I can't help myself. I'm, I'm involved in pornography. Would you help me? Say, well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> would, you, would you help me? What do you want me to do? He says, well, I, I just want you to check on me every once in a while. You don't have to write anything spectacular in your text. But just say, so I say something like that. Maybe I'll say something like, victory is a wonderful thing. He knows exactly what I mean. And if he is in trouble, and he's going to be honest with me, yes? Then he says, Kenny, um, I'm striving for victory, but it's not always there. Then I know he had a bad week because don't know, you, you don't know who's going to pick up his phone and, and seize things. So we, we try to keep it, you know, a little bit in code, so to speak. And uh, so, but I stay with him. I don't judge him. He's got a problem. Okay? I'm trying to help him with his problem. Right? So I say, hey, listen, um, let, let's, let's get together again. Let's talk through these, some of these things, some of the things that you can do. But what, what I want more than a, 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 a protection on your computer and what I want more than you, you're turning your screen around so nobody can, so, so people can, can see it. They're not hidden any longer. People can see it when they walk in. That is protection. But the thing that I want most, brother, is for God to change your heart. So I'm praying for you like crazy. All the time I'm praying for you. Not every day all the time, but you're on my mind often. Maybe every other day, maybe every third day. I'm praying for you. Sometimes in the middle of the night, the Lord wakes me up and says, pray for that brother. And by golly, by, by the accountability of me checking on him, right? Then he writes me back. Hey, I texted him. Victory is sweet, brother. He writes back, indeed. I have tasted victory for about three or four weeks. And I go, praise the Lord. Accountability. Accountability, folks, don't be afraid of accountability. Young people, I, I need to talk to you in particular. Don't be afraid of accountability. It's a good, good thing. Not you parents either. Because you go out, you go out someplace, and they don't know where you are. If so, so if, well, <laughs> you're laughing, or they don't know where you are. Huh? <laughs> oh, that is good. If something happens, they can find you just like that, before there's a lot of big trouble. Is that, does that make sense, sense to you? If they can't find you, all kinds of trouble can happen before they find you. Make sense? They, they, they're not upset with you that they want to be where you are. They want to protect you. And they ought to protect you because you're their children. And I feel the same way as your pastor, that I want to protect you. And I don't require accountability from you like your parents can. But by the same token, I'm very protective of you. You don't know it, maybe. But nobody comes in here and, and, and is coming to mess with you. Accountability. So I, so I want to say to you that if you are looking for accountability, let me, let, me, let me just say that if you have an accountability partner, 
that person needs to be a qualified person. Don't just get anybody to be an accountability partner. Are you with me? Uh, so I'm going to give you some of the qualifications for an accountability partner. One, a Christian preferably. Because a non-Christian, even though it might be a good friend, he doesn't understand all the things concerning the spiritual realm. Okay? He can help you in some areas because he's your friend. And maybe you knew him even before you were a Christian. So he doesn't stop being your friend just because you became a Christian. He's still your friend. Uh, but, but in the spiritual realm, then he, he might be a bit short. So preferably, that's why I didn't say a non-Christian is, is taboo. I say preferably a Christian one. Two, one that has some wisdom, right? If they are, if they just text you, poof, 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 and, and, and nothing else, okay, there's no wisdom. But, but always, almost always, accountability requires some wisdom from the one that is the accountability partner to the other person. Uh, many times it goes both ways. Sometimes it goes mostly one way, and that's fine because that's a, there needs to be respect between them. There needs to be trust, preferably. If not, I would say 99.9% of the time needs to be same gender. Same gender, okay? Uh, it is a little bit different from a pastor to like Sherry. She is like a daughter to me, a spiritual daughter. I would never do anything with her or whatever that Seba wouldn't be part of in any way. That is just, we talked about one of the qualifications is wisdom. That is unwise. And it, it, it shows uh, to everybody else unwise stuff. Are you with me? So, but she's dear to me. So when, you know, after choir practice, maybe we sit over here and we talk for a little bit and we, we talk about some things that maybe she wants to get off her, off her chest or whatever, and, and, that's, and that's cool. So you understand where I'm going. So in, in those scenarios, one, one thing, but otherwise 99.9% same gender, if not 100%. And this person needs to be able to be confidential. Zip it. I, I am grateful that I have three children. They have all understood confidentiality. To the extent that when my son was going, my middle son was going to Russia to work, excuse me, well, uh, helping build the American embassy, so there was some security things were uh, needed to be checked out and so on and so forth. And so I say, okay, well, Nata, wh wh what about such and so? He says, I can't tell you. End of story. I'm not prying. If he tells me I can't tell you, it's the end of the story. I understand this is confidential. He can't tell me. Problem, no problem. Okay, so... So let me give you one more practical example. I don't know how much time we're taking. But I think this is important because, as Patrick Morley says, that the greatest problem for the male Christian in America is lack of accountability. So if that's a problem, and then we also know other, other data that half of the Christian marriages end up in divorce. I hate that data. I hate those statistics. It should be different for Christians. And so, that, so but a part of that is, is accountability. Not only 
to your spouse, but be accountable to a brother and a wife, to a sister, to, to, because the church is for helping each other. Folks, get, get it in your system. The church is for helping each other. Every gift that God has given you is for the well-being of the whole group. And, and, and Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 12 chapter. So, so I give you another example. Uh, which one shall I give you? Uh, a friend of mine, he works for the city, and he feels like the city is because of some complaints or peop- of people that were jealous, the city, of course, has the obligation to investigate, right? And then they, they went above and beyond and wanted more and more and more and more. And I told them, I say, my friend, don't ever be afraid of that. Because as they are investigating you and things are right, end of story. They might bother you a little bit more, but at some point it's the end of story and they see you are 100% clean, they leave you alone. Don't be afraid when people are checking on you. Welcoming it. Because they know with their own eyes that, hey, wow. That is what I told the CIA guy that when my son was going to Russia to help build the American embassy over there, and there were security tests behind him, I told him, you can check on him all you want. And I, I didn't mean that as a, in a negative sense. She has to go. She's not upset. Don't, don't worry about it. She has to go to work. I didn't upset her. Cherie. <laughs> um, so the CIA, there was a CIA agent who had worked for the CIA before, and they gave him the job to check on my son. And I told him, you can check all you want. You won't find anything. He's clean as a whistle. Uh, and I didn't mean that don't check. I wanted him to check because I wanted him to see that he was clean as a whistle. <laughs> and, and that was his job to do anyway. So there was not, not escaping it. But I just told him in advance. So about midway through the, the time, he came to the house and he says, man, Kenny, you're right. This guy's clean as a whistle. But I have some more work to do. I said, no problem. Clean as a whistle, this dude. So, was I as a parent worried? I wasn't worried one bit. I was encouraging the guy to go check him out. Go see for yourself. You'll be impressed. This is my middle boy. (laughs) So, but that's what accountability does. Uh, So, and, and my sons and my daughter... They have permission to keep me accountable for my life. The way I treat their mother and the way I walk my Christian walk, they can call me on the carpet anytime they want to. And plus, I give you permission to do the same. If you see me ever walking in a way that, is, that you don't think is right, you come confront me. Call me on the carpet. I'll be glad to sit with you. i give you one more example. Because I talked about a friend, and I'm going to give you now an example of my situation. I worked at a tennis club 
where there was some outdoor course and there was some indoor course. The indoor course was like, like prime courts, right? <coughs> People at clubs like that, they can afford it, so they sometimes like to play indoors. There were four indoor courts, right? So I was allowed, by contract, I was allowed to teach on court four, right? Uh, indoors. Because some of the, peop the very people that want to have a lesson, they were members, and they have the right to be indoors. But I was always sensitive to the members that if a, a large number was playing and they needed four courts, that I would forego my lesson and let them have the fourth court because they're members. Ultimately, they're signing my check. The, the, it's the company that signs the check, but they're paying the dues to the company. So ultimately, they're signing my check anyways. So I was always sensitive to the plus. My nature is that way. That I, I don't want to take advantage. Let, let them have the court. And then so, one guy, <clears throat> you know, when people get on committees, you know that something strange happens, right? They, they go crazy. <clears throat> I have experience with this. Uh, when they come on a committee, and then they, all of a sudden they feel like they have power over somebody. And they want to exercise that power and show it, that they have it. Throw around their weight. So there's one guy, he was on the committee, and he filed a complaint with the headquarters that I almost always use the fourth court when members need it. Not to worry. I'm a man of accountability. So every week, I would send the reservation sheets of the tennis courts. I would send them to the headquarters so that they have a record of who played on these courts at what, whatever given time. Whatever slots they were, somebody played, and there was a name in there. And so my immediate boss called me and says, uh, hey, this is what I hear. I say, you know, it is possible that I've done this on occasion, but it's not possible that I've abused it in any, in any way. I say, but you have the reservation sheet, so you can check it out. Not a problem. He says, I'll get back with you. Because it is, when a, when a member files a complaint, it's, it's serious, right? When you're, when you're the, the company that makes the money by running the club, you want there not to be complaints. You want things to go smooth. So people spend their money so that the company can make, can make, can make money. And he, he got back with me in, in about a week or so, maybe a couple of days longer. And he says to me, I checked it out, Kenny. I want you to know <clears throat> I have no proof of anything except that you didn't abuse it. Secondly, there was only one chance in 250 that you would have abused it. You see, I was scot-free because accountability. Accountability is protection for both parties. My boss was protected because it was a, a, a false alarm. I was protected because of false alarm because of accountability. So my dear brothers and sisters, let me just say this. Accountability means simply, if it is done the right way, means protection for both parties. Uh, you know, 
sometimes I have no clue. Sometimes I think I'm going to be short with my sermon. <laughs> and I said, just give me the, the, just the first part was there and the second part. I, was to, I thought the, the second part was going to be about five or seven minutes. <laughs> uh, so don't ask me about time, folks, okay? I have no clue. <laughs> then you have to remember with accountability that I give you another proverb. 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. What, what it is saying is that when a friend is tough on you and asks you some tough questions, don't worry about it. It is for your protection. If a friend asks that, okay, it's presumed that this is a friend. But if there's an enemy and he's kissing you, they are deceitful. Be careful. Okay. Yes. So then, now we, uh, we're going to talk, and hopefully, okay, hopefully we can, we can make it. Uh, Psalm 19, we're going to do it, and we're going to look at Psalm 19 in the New International Version, uh, just because I, have, I had it memorized in the past in that version, and so on and so forth. So I worked with that version a little bit, so it was easier for me to put something together. Uh, <clears throat> It goes like this. So we're going to read through the whole thing, please. And, and, and then we're going to go verse by verse-ish. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal or display knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. This is a, a little bit different NIV, but... Sometimes they update the NIV so they make some changes and so on and so forth. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. He's changing now and focuses on the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. And then we've got to go through verse 6 only. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. So let's go to verse 1 and look at verse 1. We are uh, familiar with how uh, David is describing and, and, and writing in these first six verses. Because we are familiar with the idea that you can tell a lot and you can uh, 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 communicate a lot of stuff without saying a word, without even making a noise. Yes? Right? So, so, okay, so uh, uh, in the, in the uh, marriage seminar, I, 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 I asked the people, so I'm not going to say a word, and you tell me what I said. Okay? 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 So, we can communicate. <laughs> we can communicate. Well, without, without even making noise. So the problem in marriages, where I'm looking from, is not about communication. You communicate quite well. Now, Nelda, Glenn would never do this. But when he stands like this, what do you think he means? That he did something. <laughs> He's upset. Don't come in my space. Whatever. So he has communicated quite clearly. 
without saying a word, we're making a noise. So we are familiar with that, and we have, are familiar with the saying. How does the saying go? Uh, a picture is like a thousand words. Not a word was spoken, not a word was heard, and yet there was communicated a message. Better than maybe if they had used words. It was a picture, and it was like a thousand words all at one time. So, here the heavens declare the glory of God. We, we see here then <clears throat> that there's basically two kinds of ways you can look at, 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 at this psalm. One, you can look at that uh, it is about the glory of God, which it is always is. But it is also about what God has made that glorifies him and praises him. For example, in this first verse 1 over here, the heavens, they declare the glory of God. They are declaring. There's a declaration that the heavens are making, and they are saying, God is glorious. That's what they are saying without making a sound. They're making a declaration about the glory of God, and they are expressing it without a word. Oh, that's important to know. And the skies proclaim the work of his hands. So now, David is going, instead of uh, looking at, at, at God so much, now he's looking at, at the work of his hands, what his hands have made. And we realize the heavens were made by him, the skies were made by him, everything was made by him, that his works... They talk about his works. The heavens are declaring it to everything else that was made about the glory of God. They also said it to God, just like we, when we worship, we say it often to God. But also when we worship and we teach and so, we talk to each other about the glory of God. So, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. This is what... What the skies are saying in their own language, they are talking about his works, the works of his hands, that he, the things that he has made. Verse 2, day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. Day after day, there is no stopping of the heavens and the skies in their expression of the glory of God. Day after day they pour forth speech and the words pour forth over there, have to do with, this is not a whisper. They're crying it out. It is like a roar. But you can't hear it. That's how they express themselves. Night after night. Every night. So day after day, night after night, that means all the time. All the time, it is about a revelation of knowledge and it's about expressing the glory and the works of God. Verse 3. They have no speech, except they do. But they don't have a speech with noise. Okay? It, it, it is like, 
they have no speech with volume, but they say everything quite loudly without any noise. Okay? Uh, 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 is that possible? Does that make some sense? Okay? Andy, Andy is saying something to me, and uh, maybe by gestures, and he says, you get it? I say, loud and clear. It was not loud, but it was loud and clear. There was no sound, but it was loud and clear, the message that you sent to me. Right? Uh, they have no speech. They use no words, except they do, but not words that you can hear. They use a lot of words, because a picture is worth, it's like a thousand words. But you can't hear them. But yet they are using it, and they are communicating. And no sound is heard from them. Okay, that, that was. Verse 4. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their voice goes out into all the earth. All the earth gets the message from their voice that they cannot hear, but they get it clearly. Loud and clear. Their voice goes out into all the earth, and it says that uh, the words to the ends of the world. No one gets to miss it. Even if you try to miss it, you can't miss it. If, 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 if you are missing it, it's because you simply don't want to see it. You simply don't want to hear it. And then still you cannot miss it. <laughs> but you claim that you miss it. Because God put it there and made it. I had a discussion with a, with a guy one time. Uh, 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 he was a how, how was he? physician, scientist, uh, physician, scientist, uh, physician, scientist, and uh, I call, well, whatever it was. Three things he was. And he says, Hey, it was about a big bang, my friend. I stood there and said, brother, I'll make you a deal. If I throw up my handkerchief and it comes back as a T-shirt, I'll believe in your big bang. I'm sorry, it didn't. My bad. Their voice goes out, and you can't miss it. People that say that somehow or another this thing came together, you can't miss it what God has done. It is all over the place. All of creation is speaking to you. And it is clear to you to understand what they are saying to you. But there you can hear a voice. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words, their words to the end of the world. Uh, well, I was... I was in India. No, uh, he found Jupiter. The ends of the world. Some place is the end of the world to somebody. Flower Bluff is the end of the world to somebody out on the other side of the world. Ghana is the end of the world to somebody on the other side of the world. So, I mean, they find you. They, they, they know how to do it. In the heavens, God has fixed a tent for the sun. So, 
Now, we, we, David is speaking specifically about the son. I, I have to go a little bit fast, so you forgive me. He speaks now about the son, and he says that God, God has fixed a, an abode for the son, that the son would be a, a, at a certain place and move in certain arenas. Yes? <clears throat> so that the son cannot decide that it's going to come closer to us or further away. If it comes closer to us, we all fry. If it goes further away, we all freeze. God has marked out the path in which the son is going to travel. Uh, and then whatever else goes along with that. Uh, so, and, and he's speaking now about the son, and he's speaking about the ministry of the son. What the son does as God has instructed him to do. I check it out. It's just so interesting to me. Uh, the son is what he's talking about. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. A bridegroom coming out of his chamber. So the bridegroom is in his chamber, right? The ceremony is fixing to start. He's waiting for the bride to appear, right? And then he's going to go out of his chamber to meet her. And then they meet together. You know, we, we did that thing, right? Yes. You, you know, we're standing on the beach over there. And then the bride came out, baby. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, how beautiful she is and was. And, 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 uh, and, and oh, oh I, I needed to give Glenn my handkerchief because his hands were all wet and sweating and stuff like that. Uh, uh, so, uh, but there he was. So to speak, in his chamber. We were standing out there, but he he was not visible to her, and she was not visible to him. And he was just, his heart was just pounding to to see, because, you know, you don't get to see what she looks like, right? Till she comes out. His heart was pounding, and there she comes. Wow. (laughs) See, the, the sun is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. The sun wants to come out. To do the ministry that God has for him. With joy. As it says in the next phrase. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course. The son is eager to do the ministry that God has for him. He wants to come out and do his thing. We have soccer fans here. Soccer fans. We have only one soccer fan. Two soccer fans. You go to Ecuador, you better be a soccer fan. Yes. So a soccer fan over here. Okay. So they have the World Cup for women. I tell you something. Those women, they play some ball. Oh, my goodness. I mean, some of their games, more interesting than the men. By a mile. I mean, if you have uh, not the top not the top level, but on the, not the top of the top, and the men, and you have the top level of the women, I'd rather watch the women play. Exciting, fast, pass, 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 tackle, pass, 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 boom, heading, I mean, you, you name it. But then, then there is a, a substitute made, right? And when a substitute is made, the camera goes to the player who is fixing to come in, and she's there, stretching. Running, in, running here. And she's sprinting in place. Bam. Uh, ready. 
She is like the sun, waiting, can't wait to get in the game, to show her skills and to and honor her, her team and her coach and her country. Just like the son wants to come out and show his stuff to his king. You told me to do this. I'm coming out to show myself, Lord. And then verse 6 says this. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its course or circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. He comes out, does his thing. He goes from one end of the earth to the other. And everybody gets to enjoy the ministry of the sun because nobody's exempt from receiving the warmth of the sun. Nobody is exempt. Everybody gets to share in it. Nobody's deprived of its warmth. My dear brothers and sisters, now I'm coming to the point. Is this. If the things that God has made, the heavens, the skies, the sun, and everything that is in it, if they can speak about the glory of God without one noise, without a sound, without spoken words that people can hear, the sun cannot wait to come out to minister the ministry of God to the people. I'm wondering, what about us that can speak? What about us that have a voice? What about us that can express ourselves with, with words clearly understood by other people? Are we, out, are we like a, 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 a bridegroom in this chamber? We can't wait to get out there to the people to minister to them. We can't wait to get out there to the people to share the warmth of Christ with them and the love of Christ with them. We can't wait to come out there and show them what God has done for us and in, and in us so that they might also be, 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 be privileged and privileged but to, to His warmth and His love. The heavens declare the glory of God. What are we doing? I'm not, I'm not being judgmental or, or down or whatever. I'm just trying to encourage. I'm in the same boat as you. I, I, I want to be like that. I want to be like the soccer player except for the, for the, for the gospel. I want to get into it. I, I want to show people how good God is. I want to show people the warmth of the sun, but the S-O-N. I want to be into it. If the heavens can declare the glory of God, I want to do the same thing. The skies proclaim his, the work of his hands. I want to do that. Day by day. They pour forth whatever they're pouring forth, noise or Messages or whatever. I'm going to memorize it one of these days again. Uh, night after night. So, am I too sleepy when you call? Is that not my opportunity to give the warmth of the sun 
to you in the middle of the night, whenever it may be. Let us pray.